0: You know, we were just so lucky. I mean, it was just such, such uh, blind luck um, having a conversation with, with probably the best person in the city to talk to about this.
1: Welcome to Tough Times, Tougher City, a podcast presented in partnership with Belfast City Council, featuring local businesses that have started, scaled and pivoted during the pandemic. Episode four is with Ian Richardson from Circle, the first bicycle courier company in belfast stay tuned to hear why they started their business what they've learned over the last 12 months and all the support and opportunities out there for people just like you to go out and do the same my name is matthew thompson for best of belfast and my hope is that this series will remind us all that even though the times are tough our city and the people in it are even tougher let's go
0: My mum and dad used to own a, a pub in Dublin, and um, I remember that on the you know the Six Nations match day, the, the pub would be really busy, and my job was to go down and pick up the empty glasses outside. And it was such a, a fantastic atmosphere. And sometimes even the teams. This was on Bagot Street in Dublin Four. The you know the, the, the team that Ireland were playing would come down on their coach past the pub, and the atmosphere would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know. It, it, I think that was one of the things that really instilled a real love of uh, rugby in me as well. But um, unfortunately, they sold it before I was, went past the kind of free Coke was really exciting and free beer would have been fantastic, <laughs> probably for the best. Summer jobs, you know, in between you know, school, school terms and then on to university, were often working for Moy Park um that that certainly instilled in me a, a desire to, to to work somewhere where i wasn't on a kind of food processing chain line yeah. which was <laughs> quite quite i remember one summer in particular working a, a night shift on making chicken kievs and i'd be at home sleeping during the day dreaming about making chicken kievs so uh, <laughs> that, that, that certainly spurred me to kind of follow follow a professional uh, career that didn't involve that
1: and so where did that lead you
0: uh, it led me to landscape architecture. I think my my sort of passions and interests were always around in, in the environment and what what the damage we were doing to the planet and the level, you know like a lot of people watching growing up watching David Attenborough programs was, was something really important to me. But I've always been very interested in design and architecture. So landscape architecture was a an interesting combination of the two things. You know, you were dealing with environmental issues, but it, but it was also um, you know, a design discipline and it was around the built environment. So it was exciting to kind of follow a profession where, you, where what you would do potentially would actually exist in the real world for other people to experience.
1: Wow. So you always kind of had that, I suppose, the why behind what you were doing. There was that kind of purpose-driven element to your work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always been sort of driven by a desire, I think, to make a difference in that area. My dad was, you know, his actual, his original job was not a publican that was a sort of side hustle for him in a way he was he was in IT so this was a long time ago back when he used to be able to go over to America and find out what the cutting edge was there and come back here and do it before anybody knew about it obviously you can't do that with the internet anymore but uh, so I grew up with sort of bits of computer sitting around the house and you know uh, circuit boards and things so I was always very interested in technology as well and that never fazed me because it was something that I used, used to see lying around the house so it's sort of combination of those things sort of led me to kind of, uh, you know, look at landscape architecture and the environment and sort of build this passion for technology and how you can combine all of those things, which I think has ultimately led to me kind of going from a career in landscape architecture into into startups and business and technology.
1: So, you know, you get into the world of startups during the credit crunch and now uh, <laughs> your current business is really uh, launching in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, you know, great timing, but also... You know i think especially with the business you're working on now certain opportunities that have opened up as this uh as a result of this current downturn do you want to talk to me a little bit about that
0: yeah absolutely it's been i mean obviously the the, the pandemic has been terrible on so many different levels and and just seems to be going on and on and on but hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel for everyone now but yeah i mean in some respects you, you know initially for us with what we're doing it, it was Oh dear, this really kind of impacts on all our plans. It, it kind of in a way made our business idea less relevant because what we were focusing on was how we could make cities better how we could reduce congestion and air pollution and of course during lockdown there was a lot less traffic so there was a lot less congestion and pollution so that wasn't really an issue during that time and also people working from home were, or, or literally locked down and stuck at home meant that the inconvenience that you normally experience around delivery which is what we were looking at was less of a problem so we, we find ourselves kind of initially looking at it thinking there's no real need for what we're doing at the minute but in the back of our minds we we, we hoped uh, and and you know, hopefully we'll see that happen. That it would be temporary. At the same time, it it also allowed people to see what our cities could be like when there was less traffic and congestion and air pollution. Uh, and really, kind of um, people getting out to do exercise started to enjoy that and and placed a lot more value on open space, particularly in cities. And so I think that was a positive thing. And I think other aspects of the pandemic have really driven forward, a desire to sort of see how we can do things differently when we come out of this, like take take the opportunity to change things, to really kind of address the climate crisis that we all face head on uh, uh, and really take take the pandemic as a sort of line in the sand for how we can sort of change things as we go forward. So it's, it's been positive in that sense. Uh, I mean, we're dealing quite a lot with e-commerce and obviously that's seen a massive increase as people have have had to mm-hmm. go online to shop because they haven't had any other choice. And um, and that was an industry that was growing very quickly. And as it grows, it actually generates a significant amount of the traffic that we're hoping to to reduce, uh, just in terms of the vans and trucks in our cities. So, yeah, the pandemic has has really kind of created an opportunity for us. it's accelerated a lot of the things that we were looking to address. Um, and I think I think in a, in a way, the timing is good for us.
1: yeah. and I mean, Talk to us a little bit about something that I find really interesting about what you guys do is it's this idea of the last mile. So unpack that concept for us and talk to us about why that is kind of like a problematic link in the e-commerce chain in regards to congestion and pollution and, and the way it impacts our cities
0: sure i mean the last mile has become a, a phrase that i think quite a lot of people are now familiar with it used, used to be a very kind of industry centric uh, uh phrase the last mile it literally just means the last stage of of the delivery process so if you're shopping for something online it's literally the bit where you know you check your you check your tracking number and you find out your delivery's on its way um, and it's that it's that it's that day that it's on its way to you where you're sitting, sitting twitching the curtain waiting for the van to turn up. And the problem with it really is the way the, the logistics companies work, they tend to work independently of each other, which leads to overlapping delivery rounds, which is a fragmented and inefficient way to, to do delivery. I mean, instead of us all going to shops and getting things, having individual parcels delivered to individual homes is a completely different model. And it's very expensive for the carrier companies and, of course, the retailers. The last mile can actually cost as much as 40% of the overall cost of when you buy something, my literally. My goodness. Yeah, from when you click it to when it arrives at your door, the actual last mile can be as much as forty percent. That's that's how much it costs. And of course, the vans get stuck in traffic. And I and I really do feel for the courier companies and and the drivers who do multi-drop deliveries because every single day is a different set of addresses to go to. It's extremely difficult to predict with any accuracy when they're going to turn up anywhere because they're affected by things that happen in real time. You know what what the weather's like. Um, you know, are there any road accidents? Any road works? Uh, You know, even something as simple as how long it takes somebody to answer the door when they're doing the delivery.
1: Yeah, I I even remember talking to my uh, Amazon driver at the the start of the pandemic. And he just said, look, I'm really late today because the the boat was late and it just ruined (laughs) my whole day. And you're like, oh, my word, I never once even thought that that's what goes into it. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, it's, it's, you know... Supply chains, particularly for Northern Ireland, there's obviously a lot going on with that at the minute with with Brexit. But yeah, a lot of stuff is coming over on, on the ferries, um, and you know you're, you're you're really at the mercy of, of many different things that can impact um, when things turn up. So it's really kind of chaos and complex, which which does make it very difficult. And that's one of the things we wanted to, to change. I mean. As we know these days, everybody, almost everybody has a smartphone and you can control everything from your music playlists to your fertility from your phone. But something as basic as when your deliveries turn up and managing your, your parcel deliveries it is actually very complicated. The consumer doesn't have any control of that. So we wanted to flip that on its head and enable create a system that would allow customers to choose when their deliveries turn up and be able to manage all of their deliveries from one app, which would be this, the Circle app,
1: and so then, yeah, that's that's a, you've done my job for me. That's a great transition. <laughs> um, tell us about then what you guys are actually doing. Sure. Well,
0: there's two parts to it, as you have mentioned before, Matthew. There's 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 street talk and there's circle and. The street talk part of it is an infrastructure concept for cities and it's, it's urban city environments specifically that we're working in. So essentially what it is is smart micro warehouses, networks of these uh, cargo storage pods that we actually build into the urban environment. And the idea is that these are consolidation points. And what I mean by that is it allows all of the different courier companies to drop off parcels and, and even light commercial cargo to one point. And and these cargo storage pods serve a particular area of the city. So all of the cargo gets dropped there instead of all of those vehicles driving around the neighbourhoods, dropping things off individually. And that allows us to make that process more efficient and reduce reduce the journeys and distances travelled by the vans, which obviously leads to congestion and air pollution, et cetera. Then we temporarily store the cargo for the customer and then let the customers decide when they want it. And then we do the last mile, as we've talked about, using low-impact vehicles, so that's bicycles, cargo bikes, and even light electric vehicles. And so this is all about kind of moving as much cargo as we can using low-impact transport so that we improve the quality of urban life for everybody that lives, works, and visits, not just Belfast, but, but our ambitions for cities all
1: over the world. So this is where uh, a great source of personal uh, passion and interest kind of intersect with with your business. So I think I'd, I'd said to you before, I uh, worked for Deliveroo for many years in Belfast. And uh, I've always been very interested in that bicycle courier sort of system. You know, I saw it in London, I saw it in New York, and it hasn't really been something since the days of Telegrams that uh, Belfast <laughs> has relied on. And so I'd love to kind of hear the, the story behind... How did you guys come up with the concept or, you know, uh, that light bulb moment of, hey, we could just use bicycles to do some of this?
0: Yeah, like, like yourself, Matthew, I, I had seen, you know, I think I've watched films about New York back in the 70s and the 80s or whatever, and there was this whole subculture of people who did bike deliveries, you know, the traditional bike courier with a bandana on and the, the kind of rather rickety looking bike. Yeah, the urban them. cowboy. The, the urban cowboy, exactly. <laughs> and, the, and, and I was always sort of fascinated by that, and as you say, it sort of seemed to disappear a bit. And... Um when, when I started to sort of see movements towards more sustainable transportation in cities, you did see, as you say, in London, there was a number of companies that set up using bikes and cargo bikes to do deliveries. And then later we had delivery and the whole explosion of the food delivery um, side of things. So for us, it, it was a bit of a no brainer. We could see that it worked, but for us, it was like, how do you actually make this work and scale across the city and do it in a way that's viable, that, that, can, that can both be do good for the city and the environment and the planet, but also be a sustainable business. And that's not as straightforward as you might think. And so for us, the street dock part is is really important as, as an infrastructure uh, concept because it enables the efficiency of the bike delivery. Because if you imagine the amount of parcels in vans and trucks and you're trying to take all of that, that volume of cargo and put it onto smaller vehicles to get to do the deliveries. The reality is you need to be you need to get those drop-off points quite close to the to the recipients so that it's actually efficient. You can do it efficiently and, and viably using bikes. So we were, we were starting to think about how we would do this and we, we were a bit unsure. So we thought, well, I know the best thing to do would be to speak to people already doing it. Like you said yourself, Matthew, you did a bit of delivery work for delivery. So in my head was speak to somebody who works for delivery. So, you know, back in the great before, I happened to be in time with a few friends, having a few <laughs> beers. And on the walk home, as you do, I got a bit bit peckish. So there was McDonald's at Conswater. So I, I sauntered up there and ordered myself a burger. And while I was standing there, um, a fella came along in, in the delivery gear, ready to pick something up so I kind of you know, walked over to him and started rambling at him and handed him a business card not expecting to hear anything back from him but he emailed me the next day and we had a great chat he turned out to be a, a, a fantastic fella uh, Filippo, who I believe you, you might have met when you were doing yeah, work like F- F- yeah. Filippo
1: did my interview and onboarded yeah. me, he is the, the OG rider on, on in the streets of Belfast, like, he's an absolute legend
0: yeah, he's the guru, so you know, we were just so lucky. I mean, it was just such such uh, blind luck, um, having a conversation with, with probably the best person in the city to talk to about this. And from word go, we just clicked and got on well. And Filippo was was incredibly interested in what we're doing. He thought it was fantastic, and he wanted to know more about it. And he's been he's now he's now actually one of the team. He's he's on board. Um And yeah, it, just the insights and knowledge he has of, of how it works. I mean, I was amazed to hear things like he, he was able to tell me. You know, he he can tell how far, how long it's going to take him to do a certain distance based on the wind direction and strength. Mm. Um, he was able to tell me things like, you know, a chain. If you're working out all day, every day for a couple of weeks, you're going to go through a chain in maybe two, three weeks mm-hmm. as, as a maintenance cost. These are, these are just things I just... You know, my bike. I don't. I think I've had it for about five years. It hasn't had one chain change yet. So, um, yeah, fantastic to have Filippo on board. He's incredibly knowledgeable, and and that's just really given us a, you know the knowledge we need to kind of do this well. So he's leading on everything to do with, with circle and the bike logistics side of it. So so look out for Filippo over the next few weeks. <laughs> He'll be turning up at your door with a big smile <laughs> on his face. Hopefully. <laughs>
1: That's I, I look. I got I got to give a, a shout out to Filippo because you know there would be days we would do twelve hour shifts, and you know it would be quite common to clock in over a hundred k on the bike. Uh, you know, in, in in a big shift like that, and Filippo was like one of the only guys I knew that would wake up early and go for a cycle before a shift, like for the crack. <laughs> you're like, mate, you are you are an Italian beast, honestly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, what amazing expertise that you're able to tap into, and. You know, bringing people like that on board, like it saved you guys, uh, you know, years of market research. So it, it's amazing what you can learn from other people and probably people that you wouldn't expect along the way. I know, just incredibly
0: lucky. And, you know, just sort of, you know, I'm not, I'm not the sort of person who sort of would often say meant to be, but it just sort of seemed meant to be that, yeah. that, that he came on board, as you said saved us a lot of time and really just got things moving and knew knew what we needed to know so we were able to accelerate what we were
1: doing. So kind of on that note then like you know uh, chance encounters aside what sort of support and opportunities have you been able to avail through the council and other things that you've met along the way you know because I think a lot of people they have in their head okay well I have this business and it's just me and by myself or it's me and my team and it's us against the world and they're maybe not sure of some of the things that are out there that can actually come alongside you to to support you and and make some of those things happen? Sure. Uh, The the support from Belfast
0: City Council um, has been been fantastic. In fact, the real origin story of Street Dock is because of Belfast City Council and, and to be fair, Dublin City Council. Both councils ran an SBRI um, looking for solutions for uh, urban freight delivery. And we were shortlisted for that just as we'd sort of changed from our old idea to our new idea. In fact, if I'm honest, we kind of came up with the idea of Street Dock on the hoof while trying to fill the application form in for it. That's the, that's the honest truth, um, which, which is fantastic because everything just sort of fell into place in a way and we've continued to pursue that. So through that, we've got, we've have great contacts with, with Smart Belfast in particular, uh, with Kira and, and Deirdre Ferguson and, and other people within the council have, have been very supportive as well. But I think one of the key um, areas of support, apart from introductions, was helping us get involved with Belfast Harbour and that that was incredibly important to us because that has led to the opportunity to do the trial So um, Belfast Harbour, through the support of uh, Belfast City Council, has led us to being able to get this pilot off the ground. So Belfast Harbour have literally given us the free use of one of their sites and a a shipping container, no charge, um, because they want want to support this kind of activity in in Belfast, and and not just for the the harbour area, but for the city in general, which has been amazing.
1: So tell us about this pilot then, what can we expect to see and when? Uh, well, as I said, we've been,
0: we've been operating it on a very kind of low key, doing some experiments, but essentially it's a shipping container down, down in the uh, harbor area. We're on the old Esso site there, uh, not too far from D Street. So what we've got is a shipping container set up there, and that's effectively a proxy for our fancy internet street docks, <laughs> uh, internet connected street docks. So we're starting off as a pilot just using the shipping container because that just lets us get up and running. And we are operating the drop-off point where all of the carrier companies can drop their cargo to the shipping container, where, where I am currently sort of spending a lot of time sitting around, up until now being quite cold, um, and <laughs> hopefully it'll be getting warmer. And so those, all the different companies can start to drop stuff off to us at the shipping container, and then we hold on to it there. And then when the customer wants it, Filippo um, uh, arrives and collects the parcels, and off he goes and does delivery runs. That's Incredible. And And repeat. So our ambition is is obviously to get this trial up and running and really sort of test the the kind of processes and and what works and what doesn't, and get feedback from customers and what they like and what they don't like. We still have work to do on the actual uh, app, if you like It, it. it's a kind of fairly basic version of what we're doing, but but, it, but it's good enough to get started. But with feedback from customers, we, we will use that information to kind of develop it into the, net, the kind of final version over the next few months. And our ambition beyond that is to uh, find more sites within Belfast, and if it's successful, start to expand that out. So certainly at that point, we'll be going back to Belfast City Council and, and others and asking for uh, small bits of land where we can put, put our uh, street <laughs> docks in and, and, and take over the world from Belfast.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I'm sure there's lots of stuff we could do of making them look beautiful, and you know, customizing them and putting some lovely kind of art elements on them and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I'd love to do that. We were sort of thinking about that. The the container we have at the minute is, you know, it's 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 a fairly battered secondhand container. It's not one of these new, spanking new uh, containers. (laughs) So we were thinking we could be great to get some street artists. I love the graffiti and the at the bottom of the Cumber Greenway where they've done some Stranger Things. Uh, graffiti would oh, be great to get somebody so like that and, and get that on but I suppose it's worth pointing out that the the container is just a kind of temporary version of it yeah, what, yeah. and what we are doing for the street dock itself is our, our plans are not for it just to be a kind of box to store boxes in we, we do want to you know obviously my background in, in landscape architecture comes, it comes into play here and we really want the street docks to actually be um, you know features within the urban landscape and in that sense we want them to be attractive to be part of the kind of overall design theme of the city center Mm. so we are looking at ways that we could we could actually make street docks uh, part of sort of park areas and have seating and planting built into them and we've even started to look at how we could um work with micro mobility companies you know people doing e-scooters and e-bikes uh using using the street docks as a sort of place where you can store uh, drop off and pick up and even charge your e-scooters using the solar panels that are built Very in. Nice. So we we kind of refer to the street docks as being sort of Swiss Army knives of the, of the urban <laughs> environment.
1: <laughs> yeah, and look, there's opportunity for a nice ancillary business for you, so why not?
0: Exactly, yeah. More revenue streams, but but yeah. yeah, the aesthetics are
1: important. Um, Man, that's so interesting. How do you go about getting, or how have you gone about getting your clients? Because, you know, you're dealing with quite big players. You know, I imagine... You're wanting to get people like Amazon or you're wanting to get people like DHL or you're wanting to get people like, you know, X, Y and Z. How how have you gone about kind of in that process?
0: Yeah, the business model has actually been a very key part of what we've done. Initially, uh, we thought that the route to this would be partnering with the large carrier companies to get it off the ground. Um, and, that, and that's that's been the case. We have spoken to a number of them, and you know there was support there. But what often happens is you know you're dealing with a, a local branch, if you like, of mm-hmm. of the big companies. So they would often require you, require you to put a proposal in and get it agreed at head office. And it's further complicated by the fact that some of the carrier companies are doing similar things. Now, they're only doing it for their their customers, if you like. So a key thing, a key way we differ from from their experiments is that we're open to any carrier company. So we're an open system and they're, they're not. So that has complicated things slightly. And then on top of that, we were concerned. This is how we tried to start it, basically. And what we learned from doing that was that this was going to take a long time because of that, and potentially they would have to get agreement for all their customers. So to circumvent that complexity in time, we took a different model. And so we decided to do something that not many people have done if any certainly in the bike logistics side of it which is to go directly to the consumer wow and so that that is that is what we're doing from next week we're actually myself and Felipe will be out peddling about uh delivering leaflets directly <laughs> to the to the consumer um, we're going old school because uh, you know because of the current situation that seems to make the most sense and yeah the, the idea of going directly to the consumer means we the the, the customer can literally decide what they want so, so for an example, if you were to go and buy something, you can go to any – to use Circle, you can go on any website. It doesn't matter which company it is. And when you go to checkout, you choose home delivery option. And in that, you use the street doc address instead of your own address. Very and so nice. what happens is that gets delivered to us, and then we tell you when we've got it, and you decide when it gets delivered. So by going to the customer, we kind of short-circuit that problem. So
1: smart yeah Yeah, really that's a really good way around it because like you said you could be twiddling your thumbs for the next two years waiting for the yes from the big dogs and it's better always better just to get going as you know absolutely yeah so i mean where do you see yourself going in say even the next 12 months you know if we kind of look into our crystal ball here like what would you like to see if we were to sit down in a year's time
0: in 12 months, great question. I think at the minute our focus has to be obviously uh, getting this pilot in Belfast off the ground. Apart from it, apart from the fact that it's our home city, um, it's just logistically, excuse the pun, easier to deal with because it's where it's where most of the team are based. There's six of us and five of us are in Belfast, one's in London. But having said that, we have already got some opportunities to uh, create new pilots in Dublin, London and potentially in other cities in Ireland and the UK. So I would say the the short answer in 12 months is we would like to have at least five pilots up and running by the end of this year. Unbelievable.
1: How about the kind of the greatest challenge that you faced or maybe even a low light? Because, you know, as you know, the the road is never smooth, shall we say? (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I in a similar vein, I think it was probably starting off by myself and, and not having that support network uh, and not having any co founders. Um I, I think it's you could you know, loneliness is a big part of entrepreneurship or it can be, and that's one of the reasons why having a team of people working with you is extremely important. Um yeah, I think the frustrations and, and the ups and downs of it really are around um, you know bootstrapping like it's exciting to bootstrap and not and not have much money and it forces you to do things differently and think laterally and, and, and make things happen without very many resources. which can be a good thing, but at the same time it can be a bit frustrating and then it can take quite a long time. And I, I think also when you've got uh, team members who have got other commitments, you know that the time scale on things can can extend so i think the, the most frustrating thing is where you feel is when you feel alone and when you don't feel like you're making much progress but you know as you know you just have to keep persisting you know startups and, and doing well and succeeding is, is all about being persistent and continuing to believe in yourself and just keep going forward even even when things seem like a real struggle and of <laughs> course during the pandemic that that's just another level of, of complexity on top of that so yeah, that would that would be my advice for anybody else doing a similar journey. Would be to just just
1: stay positive and keep keep going. Mm-hmm. So good. I was listening to something the other day and it was recorded and they said, "Whoever can hold their breath the longest wins." <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh man. Um, kind of in the same vein. Then, like, if we're just starting to land the plane here, like, what has been? It's very hard to, to kind of narrow it down. You've already shared um something really powerful there, but what has been one of your biggest kind of business lessons that you have learned uh, on the journey so far?
0: Oh, that's an easy one for me, really. Um, my previous startup, I made the mistake of sort of, you know, don't tell anybody about this. They're going to steal your idea. <laughs> uh, beautifully oblivious to the fact that everybody else is extraordinarily busy trying to get their ideas off the ground. So, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. And it brings me back to the previous point about, you know, your network and, 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 you know, getting people involved, building your team, all of those things, you know, that, that is incredibly important and you really have to focus on that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's the kind of key key lesson for me is you, you've really got to kind of focus
1: on those things and um not not your, let yourself get distracted hmm. dude this has been brilliant um i just have one final question for you and it's the question that we're ending every episode in this series on and uh just very simply like what would you say to someone listening who is maybe on the fence about starting their own business or really kind of finds themselves in a corner with their current business and you know it's that kind of tension of ah oh, should i keep going or oh, like should i really start this or should i you know pursue more kind of uh typical career paths uh, what what would you say to someone on the fence
0: i would say there's probably never been a better time to do it uh, i and i genuinely believe that um the opportunities for small businesses are just getting better and easier just from technology the cost of being able to use services that the, the, the um, the way things work now, even in terms of hardware, with small kind of uh, hardware development kits and things, it's never been easier to start it to do a startup. I think, and the support is growing and growing. And, and I think there's a, a global trend towards um, the possibilities that can come from all of these people starting their own businesses. And I think as work has changed as a result of the pandemic, I think that, that also lends itself to, to the to the current situation and, and how now is a really really good time to start your own business. So so I would. To, to quote invest and I would say go for
1: it <laughs> there you go that's a, it's a nice call back there <laughs> look Ian honestly um, thanks so much for your time and good luck with everything going forward
0: thanks Matthew great to speak with you
1: so yeah look really hope you enjoyed that had an absolute blast doing it and I really really appreciate you listening all the way through to the end to find out a bit more about the support and opportunities offered by Belfast City Council to help you start scale or pivot your own business please click the link in the description of this episode. We can also find out more about today's guest. Other than that, thanks so much for being here. My name is Matthew Thompson, and if you'd like to check out the other episodes in this series, along with over 200 interviews featuring incredible local people, you can do so at bestofbelfast.org. Thanks again, and have a great rest of your day.